Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Ladies and gentlemen, the Academy would like to present this next award to Old Hollywood Realness. Woo! Naturally <laughs> for best costumes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, so oh many people god. to thank. So many you people love to me. thank. You really, really love me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> this is all the Hollywood realness. We are yeah. the podcast, which and with which we celebrate all the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. I'm Philip Estrada. I'm Kathleen Knoll. And this is our um post Oscar episode. Uh, po- Oscars happened yesterday. It was um congratulations to all of the winners. Yay. You were all winners in my heart. Winners. Um, we're recording this early, so we don't know who won, but so we can't comment on it. But you know, say lobby. Yes. <laughs> yep, we're doing a little uh, midweek, late night after work recording. <laughs> yeah, it's good times. O H R after dark, as we like to call it. <laughs> right. Le- I'm sorry, glamour spin. It's O H R after dark. It's when things get sexy. Yeah, we're sexy. We're not. It's not tired talk. It's sexy talk. <laughs> sexy talk. <laughs> So if I just start snoring, that's that's sexy snoring, not just being exhausted. Anywho, um, is there anyone you're pulling for in the Oscars, Kathleen? Are you excited about anybody? Uh, <laughs> no, no. I just feel just like I'm gonna... not. I, you know, it's it's so bad. I'm just not. I'm not really well versed on all the movies that are out and like being nominated that have been nominated right now. I mean, I I would assume that the probably the big one slated to win would be um, the a star is born, right? Like I would yeah, think that they're probably true. just in sort of the behaviors and the things that are kind of of the note. Like they're oh, acting please. like they're winners. Therefore they're winners. Well, no, no, no. I mean, you can just kind of tell like certain things are in place sometimes, you know, you can just kind of, yeah, you, yeah we just know we've, we've seen this okay. game long enough where you're like, Oh, yeah. I mean, they've already been picked, so it's fine. Yeah. So but, if you're, um, um, <laughs> if you're listening to this, to this in the past future and um, the star is born one, congratulations, all of you, you're all winners. Um, yes. And I will say it now yeah. because I have a podcast with dozens of people listening. I still stand by. It'll be my hill to die on. Lady Gaga, for the love of God, please do a Mae West biopic. You would be fucking amazing. You would crush it so hard. You are my Mae West. Please, please, if you're listening, probably not. But if you are, Mae West biopic, Lady Gaga. You would just crush 2020. it. 2020. Yes. It's yes. all going to happen. That's all I'm saying. Thank goodness. Um, well, we are actually here to talk about a different movie that uh, yes. won an Oscar. Won well, two Oscars, actually. Yes. Um, we're actually here to speak about the movie Moulin Rouge. Oh! Uh-huh. Another in our French suite. Another movie that goes along with all the other films that take place in France. Um, 
So this film is um, from 1952. Mm-hmm. It's a United Artists picture. Um, eventually was per, um, distributed by MGM. But yep. um, this stars Jose Ferrer as Henri de la Toulouse-Lautrec, also playing his father, the Count um, Alphonse de Toulouse-Lautrec, mm-hmm. Zsa Gabor, lovely Zsa Gabor, as Jean Av- Jane Avril, um, mm-hmm. Suzanne Flan plays Miriam Hayam. Uh, Colette Marchand plays Marie Chalet. Uh, Catherine Kath plays La Gouloul. Uh, Muriel Smith plays Aisha. And then we've got some other people. We've also got uh, Peter Cushing as Marcel Delavoisier, um, an artist. Christopher Lee also makes a cameo as um, Georges Seurat. Um, a few other people which I'll talk about more in the um in the recap. Uh, so the co- uh, this movie was directed by John Houston mm-hmm. and the costumes are by Maurice Verte. He's credited as, as Verte and Scaparelli is credited as the costumes for um Ms. Jaja Gabor. Maybe so you heard of her. <laughs> oh. Yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't though, she's go actually home. really really super cool. Yeah, <laughs> Don't go home. We need to tell you all about <laughs> actually, her. Actually, yes. <laughs> um She's one of those. Uh, she's one of those uh, designers from Paris that don't get as much as like your Coco Chanel's, your, right. um, your you know, other people, Dior's, and all of those mm-hmm. people from the from that era. So she kind of is some unsung hero. Um, she she anyway. is. She's she didn't. I feel like she wasn't maybe as commercially wearable or viable as the others. But that's because our girl was whimsy first. Um, I know she look was. at her hats. If you Google like Scaparelli hats, like she's the one who. Like, she found a way to make a shoe turned upside down on your head really fucking sexy. So she's amazing. And I remember years ago when we went to see uh, a fashion exhibit, I think it was at the Brooklyn Museum, and saw some, um, like, one-of-a-kind Scaparelli creations that were made for some of the rich ladies of New York. And it was like, I remember there was a beaded, it was a jacket that was beaded. It was black, and it had, it was beaded with all the different um, star constellations in the Zodiac. Oh yeah, remember that? I remember that like, was gorgeous. Girl was yeah, yes. she's she's pretty amazing. So like yeah, Scaparelli's amazing. She was awesome. She's really really. Cool. Awesome. She was the one that was working really closely with um, who she was working with uh with oh god his name escapes Salvador Dali. She did That's a lot right. of like sort of like mm-hmm. surrealist stuff. She worked with a lot very of surrealist and stuff yeah. from that era. She was out from there from like the early forties and fifties. Mm-hmm. So she was doing some really cool stuff. Yes, um, and I feel like her really like different. hats is really what she's known for. But she did mm-hmm. so much more. She did do other like she did apparel design and stuff like that. But truly is known for her hats. And there are some killer fucking hats in this movie. I mean, Jaja Gabor oh, yeah. wears some. Really, I mean, the sculpting, the hats are exquisite, absolutely exquisite. And whatever we feel about this movie, there are some looks. Which I I think that we should probably just jump right into it before we get any further. So Kathleen, what was your, what's your history with this movie? And if you don't have a history, what's your experience with this film? Jeez, well, yeah, I had zero uh, history with this movie. Well, I guess the only history I would have would be um, not this movie, but the other of the Baz Luhrmann Moulin Rouge, and um, and I do know oh, who yeah. like I do know who Toulouse Lautrec is. I know who the, what the Moulin Rouge is. I kind of do know a little bit about that part of history, um, but I had I was 
I didn't even know this movie existed until we were um, looking for like um, sort of like Oscar, you know, like figuring like, what should we do? It's Oscar season, it's award season. Like what would be a really great movie that would, mm-hmm. um, that won best, best costume that maybe we don't know about. And as soon as I, I was like, get the hell out of here. There was a move on Rouge and John Houston did it. Oh my God. John Jacobor's right? in it. Scaparelli. Ah! And so we were like really <laughs> stoked to do this movie. Um, you know, kind of like when we uh, when we found the prodigal. You know, we were like, "Oh my god, this is really gonna be great!" <laughs> yeah, just like the prodigal. Um, yeah, um, very, very, very big parallels yeah, there. Yeah, but um, <laughs> anyway. but yeah, I didn't really have any um, any past history with it. I do know John Houston. I do know his. You know, he's he did a lot of hits. He did a few misses, mm-hmm. um, you know, and this movie is very polarizing, I feel, because um, even in, like I watched it, I feel a certain way. It was I would say it's OK. But then again, like I, I ended up I was I was able to watch it twice. I feel like watching it the second time around. Not that I didn't love the color the first time, but I do feel like its strength is in the overall look and cinematography of it not necessarily like the acting chops or even yeah. the story but the sets and the color the use of color because it's like it's technicolor and normally things are very like blindingly colorful but this right. movie what i i it I was surprised that it was made in 1952 because it felt Me too. like it was made in the 60s because it was Me, exactly, everybody's exactly. a little sweaty and a little too real. They didn't have that MGM polish to them, but at the yes. same time the quality of the makeup, the hair, the costumes and like the sets were like on point with MGM. It just was darker and sort of sweatier. And I was, was into very, it. Like it I mean I liked it. It was very gritty for 1952. I was honestly mm-hmm. really surprised Cuz I'm by thinking that. like I, Singing in the Rain was like at the same time. The same same year, like, the same exact year, actually. Because yeah, I, um, exactly. I wanted to pull for some context because oh, I had do. a similar, yeah. well, I had some yeah, yeah. similar experience. So I had seen this movie before one day when I was sort of like, I don't know how I went some, down some sort of weird wormhole, and I ended mm-hmm. up watching it on YouTube actually because it's on YouTube for free mm-hmm. and you can just watch it. And then so I was just like, huh. This is not what I expected from a movie about the Moulin Rouge right. from 1952. And, you know, I just expected a completely different movie. Mm-hmm. And especially with it having, like, Zsa, Zsa Gabor in it and stuff. And, yeah. and knowing, like, her work from um, her work from Gigi, which was, by the way, four years later, like, to think well, about. So yeah, putting, yeah. putting it in context, like, this movie was 52. It was an early 50s film. And, like, and I, so I was a little bit taken aback not taken aback by the movie, I guess is a bad phrase. Cause I wasn't like offended by it, but I was just like very much like, huh? Like I yes. didn't get it. it like lacked, I didn't really, yeah, I think I was expecting you know, like an MGM optimism to it. And it was, or, or, or even like the Baz, like it didn't have that energy that there I was, was it had a very little energy and it and had like, very, Jose Ferrer. I, he's like the oh. Kenneth Branagh of the 1950s. Like the more I read I, about him, I'm like, you are, Kenneth Branagh, dude. Like, so what? It's so the, just for some context. So the top-grossing films of 1952 was The Greatest Show on Earth, which ended up winning the Best Picture that year. The Bad and the Beautiful, Snows of Kilimanjaro, Ivanhoe, and Singing in the Rain at number five. This movie mm-hmm. actually came in at number seven, making four and a half million dollars. So I mean, it wasn't terrible by any yeah. means. Number ten was Monkey Business, starring um, 
Marilyn Monroe. But like, mm-hmm. and by the way, this is according to Wikipedia. So, um, because IMDb had this as not, had um, Moulin Rouge's number four top grossing film. So it it's up for debate. But those are the sort of the movies that came out of that year were like The Greatest Show on Earth and Singing in the Rain being those two kind of big Hans Christian Andersen as well and The Monkey Business. He's kind of like a little bit more bright, shiny movies kind of happening at mm-hmm. the same time. And then of course there was also Bad and the Beautiful, which was super gritty and like, but it was all black and white. So it had a lot of like Hollywood glamour in it as well. So there was still a lot of glamour happening. And I was trying to yeah. figure out to myself, like, why was this? And then I had this similar, similar experience with you where I was like in researching the film, seeing just how highly regarded this movie is. Yeah, and yeah. by two, I was highly regarded in, I was reading, um, I went through and I was reading reviews, contemporary reviews from 1952 and they loved this movie. They could yeah. not get enough of this mm-hmm. movie. Like they were just like, it looks beautiful. It was acted beautifully. It was like all of this stuff. And I was just like, Huh? <laughs> like I just yeah, could it's not like get it. Like, like head wrapped around it. Perfection. It was crazy. You and know? and I have to. The only thing I can chalk it up to, like after to, um, like reading all of these things, and it's still, by the way, um, cur- uh, current day reviews of it as well. People are still loving this movie. But there's also a lot of people who are just like, meh, I'm not really into it. Which I'm kind of falling in the camp of the meh, not really feeling it. But um, I the only thing I can think of is because John Huston was such a prolific director that they just kind of gave it a pass and they were just like right. this is this is like it's the thing where it's like it's like you know they just love he was like a kind of that auteur kind of thing so no matter what he did it was still genius well it, I, exactly that's the only I, thing i could think of that's no, no, the no. only thing i could think I of because totally i just you. couldn't get yeah. it like i just because this movie it does not have any it's like i don't know for me it was just like the the color was in the color at first when i was watching it the color for me was just like i don't really get why it's a little bit drab it's a little bit kind of yeah. like not as bright and amazing as like i've i would have expected it to be because it's it's not really a musical but it's also mm-hmm. a kind of a period film and it's not very ro- it doesn't romanticize the abella puck which is the yeah. you know ni- 1890 to 1900 which is the period that it was made in because i mean a Again, 56, four years later, is Gigi, which is like a love letter to Paris oh, at this absolutely, time absolutely, yeah. And gorgeous, I mean, like just I mean, has a po- highly polished, like it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, that is like Vincent Minnelli's like having, yeah. you know, having a fever dream. But that's and like just... Vincent Minnelli versus John Huston. You're like, okay, yeah. found the queen. And I get the, like... I do get the realism aspect to it. And I was reading that I think that he was, that there's like his, his goal was to try and make sure that make it look as though Toulouse-Lautrec actually directed the movie. Like it was almost kind of like taking a lot of things directly from his paintings and the Mm -hmm. inspiration was that sort of thing. So everything felt very kind of flat and very kind of like, you know, not as detailed as you would have expected, I guess. That's kind of what I, the only thing I could like impressionistic a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So, I well, don't know. Well, it's interesting, too, because... So, yeah, I was reading a, a bit about that, too. And this definitely was... From what I can gather, it seems like... Because, again, I was a little like, what the fuck? And and there yeah. were tons of good reviews, not just in IMDb, and but there was also an Amazon. Like, it has all these great, like, uh, reviews or people talking about how they, they remembered it or they'd seen it for... The, nothing but good things to say and how it's this high benchmark for some sort of, like, perfect movie... And I get it. I also, and then reading into it a bit more and I was able to do, again, there wasn't a lot of information online. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of different 
sometimes we'll look up these movies and we'll find different blogs and critiques and people who have reviewed the movies and that helps us give a little more like context to, to us and help us understand them. But there wasn't a lot for this mm-hmm. one, except that I did find that. So Jose Ferrer had just done Cyrano de Bergerac and he was a right. super big star. I think he won best actor for that. So he was like, he was hot at that point. He was the thing, you know? And, yes. um, and then um, John Huston had just done the African queen, which is an iconic movie and was amazing even then. And so I think they both had these in their back pocket when they came together because Jose Ferrer wanted to do, he he had this passion project. He was into, he had bought the rights to a book about Toulouse-Lautrec and about Mm -hmm. that. So he he kind of owned this and he was going to do it. And then John Huston was like, well, I've been wanting to do this, a, you know, movie about that time or about him anyway. So they kind of joined forces and then did their own. Then that's became the Moulin Rouge. And so right. it's these two dudes who are pretty high on their success and pretty bloated yes. with that ego <laughs> making this movie and coming up with these, I, I mean, sorry, but the female tropes and characters are just so cliche and kind of cringy yes. and, um, and and a lot of the critique um, for the different people, everybody sang the praises with the exception of Zsa Zsa Gabor and saying that she was just awful and this and that. And I'm sorry, I actually think she didn't suck. In fact, she had some of the best lines in that movie and I think delivered him with the irreverence her, that her character was supposed to have. Yes. I, I wasn't I mad at her. her acting, and she looked her lovely. Acting, I love that she looked amazing. And I think her yeah. acting was actually pretty good because she kind of yeah. played that sort of like irreverent, bon vivant type Yeah, and, th- and that her, was her voice, right? Like they didn't dub her voice singing. That was her singing No, no, that her dug, her, the voice was dubbed. The oh, was dubbed? Was dubbed? Okay, yeah. okay. But I just think that her singing, her singing and the way she was on uh, on stage was a little strange for me yeah. but I think that her actually acting because I think that she because if they had take this, taken the singing out of it yeah. she would have been just as strong an actress as she would have been in Shiji because her character Completely. was very similar and very, very similar. sort of like you know sex crazed love starved those like her you know the Zsa Zsa Gabor we know and love you know yes. and, and like um, she, they gave her some great lines even in the end where mm-hmm. you know like when she's like to, like in the dreamy state talking to him and I thought she was just adorable um, I and like, it's, loved her it, yeah and it's interesting because they're often the Gabor sisters are often often compared to the Kardashians, like they were the Kardashians yes. of their time. But I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess that. But like, you know, one could easily also say that they both the Kardashians and the Gabors worked. They both worked like they did yeah. movies and major shit, just like the Kardashians have their own businesses. They have their own show. So it's like, OK, you're famous for being nothing, but it's not that you're not working. I don't know. It's I don't know what I'm defending or saying right now. Yeah, but I'm just not mad at her. Like I feel like she got a lot of yeah. really harsh criticism, and I'm like, she did what she was there to do, and she looked yeah. like she was Honestly, really working hard to do it. Yeah, like she didn't and look phoned in at read, all. <laughs> well, I was reading an article. There was an article on TCM written by um, Rob Nixon, and he kind of talks about the whole thing. But then he says regarding Jaja Gabor, Houston apparently wanted to replace her, but it was decided. This is directly from the article, by the way. Uh-huh. So Houston wanted to replace her but it was decided to keep her since her singing voice was dubbed anyway not much could be done with her acting and her director and the director resorted to getting um marchand um colette marchand to show her how to walk because apparently she quote she moved like a 
tank, according to the cinematographer. <laughs> at one point, Houston threatened her by saying, if you go dead at the end of a line, I will shoot you. Um, uh, and apparently they ended up <laughs> eventually becoming friendly because they they had a mutual love of horses. So it, I don't know. I feel like it's the whole thing. It, it, the whole thing just for me read very kind of like didn't really know what it wanted to do because I think yes. that there was also you had to think about you had the two actresses um, Muriel Smith and Catherine Kath uh, Catherine mm-hmm. Kath played Gululululi so the two can-can dancers basically yep. so there was two can star like kind of like prima ballerina um, can-can dancers and they were like they were literally like two alley cats the entire yes. time, screeching and growling and fighting, like full scale f- attacking each other yeah. in this Throwing movie. And I was just like, and I was just like the whole time I just had yeah. my hands on my face, just being like, what am I watching? Like, yeah. I'm just like, no, nobody acts this way. Like, no, no, reality, none of those women no act that way at all. Even like the good gotten... girl, like none of them, even like, like, oh my gosh, the girl that he ends up falling in love with. The Colette Marshall, Colette, the, yes, who which, play um, Marie Charlet, Charlet, um, yes, the, and which does not this. surprise me that she taught Jaja how to walk because that girl and her movements, she knows how to like. She's just like like when she's yeah, walking she, around with a cigarette, like she's just so expressive, like she's amazing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, I think that her um, her acting was actually pretty good too. Outside of the there, there was just so many scenes that went the the emotion went from zero to sixty in no time flat. Like literally, yeah. he would like, and this is mostly on Jose Ferrer, where he just start screaming at her. Oh yeah, out of nowhere or like just grabbing like, her and kissing her, and it wasn't and like, even sexy. It was very weirdly was, aggressive and like which not I get awesome. in hindsight, like his kissing on her and all that stuff was yeah. Like, because she, because it's revealed later in the in the movie that she's kind of is grossed out by him, and that's her whole thing is like she's just there for money, and I get that. Like that in hindsight makes sense, but just his acting was so monotone the entire time, unless he's screaming at her. Like, yeah. and it made I was just like, what is happening? And and they're just like his acting was so amazing. I was just like he has no expression except for screaming. Like it's either no expression or screaming, <laughs> and I could not get my head wrapped around it. And honestly, I felt like when he was acting as the father was probably the better acting. Like it Agreed. Made, yeah, I was he, like, what am I yeah. watching? It was yeah, so weird. Yeah, I don't understand like the, I don't know. I don't know. Like, the, yeah, he for, played. As far as all the, yeah, sorry. But for all the, the was praise like that non, it's getting. Like nonplussed. For he just had no expression. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. he didn't even play it drunk. Like when he was drinking excessively, he wasn't even playing it drunk. Yeah, was he like, wasn't. I don't, anyway. So it was, for me, I was baffled by all the like praise for his acting. It yeah. Like, yeah, he walked on his knees and it was painful that he yeah. had his legs strapped behind his back. I get it. But his acting was not for me wasn't I just had no connection to that character it was yeah. really strange but okay <laughs> with that out of the way <laughs> yeah but I mean the thing is is I didn't hate the movie I just didn't I just didn't con- it didn't connect, he didn't connect with, it. All, with yeah. me at all like it just zero connection to the no, movie no no I, I like huh yeah I, I think okay. you have a very good point especially when and I think it's very valid when you when you can look at a movie like Gigi where we're just like oh my god like I 
where have you been all my life? This yeah. is the most, this is yeah, literally exactly. the most beautiful creation. And like, it's just an absolute love letter to Paris. Like it is. Yeah. And that movie's not know. without its faults too. Or of flaws. course. Like, of it's course. Not. I mean, yeah. there's, there's some odd choices, but it's just, there's at least some like, there was like the only character I actually found myself enjoying in this movie was, but was Zsa Zsa Gabor's character. Um, right. I know. Uh, Jane Avril and also Miriam Hyam. Like those mm-hmm. two characters, the, the girl that he falls in love with later in the, Yes, story. I fell. I thought she was the best. Like I, I did. I did her. too. And I loved her looks. I thought she had oh some really God, great looks, looks as well. She had the best looks in the movie. Oh, honestly, hands down, hands down. I mean, I love like when she came out in that. Um, when she like like when she's a model and she comes out. I love that snake dress where it's got the snake like going the all the way up and like the head really wraps cool. around the boob. Yeah. It's so cool. It's like so cool. <laughs> and, but, and that one is actually a gown that um was a. A dress that actually Jane Avril actually wore and was painted in by Toulouse Lautrec. So that's oh. like there's, photos, there's actually photos of her in the gown, and there's um, the right next to like side by side of her and the paint the poster. So it's actually oh, really cool rad. that they yeah. did that. And I think that's sort of what he what to um, what Scaparelli was doing, which I kind of think she was a little hamstringed mm-hmm. because she had was working with source material yeah. to make to make Jane Avril's costumes Zsa Gabor's costumes so she was kind of being like and I bet you if she had gone full tilt on those costumes like reimagining them the way Mm -hmm. Scaparelli would have um, I bet you John Huston probably was like no no I want it to look like a flat painting like that's probably why her costumes had less life to them than say um, Miriam's character who actually I loved her she had that beautiful like purple gown when they're in the dining Mm -hmm. scene that's all like almost like lace and grapes all over her um all over her and the bodice and then she yes. also had this wonderful um she had this wonderful suit with like a trompe um like bow kind of like cascading like oh my it gosh like it was embroidered into bow. it it was Dude, yes it was and so that, during beautiful. the racing scene i was yep. just like it was like a gr- emerald dark emerald green or almost a grayish green suit with like a bright with yellow ribbon yellow bow yep the use of color like, in this movie obsessed. like as it gone on like i got i appreciate it was like you see it more and more and the use of green in this movie, which I think is very difficult to use in film in general, is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Like you see yes. it really threaded throughout greens and yellows and they're and they're all like threaded throughout. And it's just really um, it's I think it's really beautiful. Um, like, yeah, at first when I was like you, when I first started watching it, I was like, it's so dark, like the dark. It, everything felt just I was expecting like MGM Technicolor brilliance and it wasn't there but then once I sort of like kind of got into it and looked I was like oh I get it now like you're really like these are the colors of a Toulouse Lautrec painting and then I was like oh I'm in like this is really really cool um again I'm kind of like you like I'm I'm sort of on the fence with like the acting and other stuff but I think the use I'm, of color I, I like I think they the had an A for acting was terrible well, well, okay, fine. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm trying to be I'm trying to be diplomatic okay. I hated it I hated it but um but like I think but like I said I think the use of color and the looks were really really beautiful like the, okay so this is one of those movies 
we watch and I'm like, remember, we're here to talk about costumes because all yes. I want to do is complain about I like, know. who okay. the fuck are you? I was like, but also hair. too is, is like, I'd really love to hear. I'd honestly love to hear from our listeners. If you have a yes, different opinion, please, please, yeah. please help don't us, let us help be. us help like understand. You know? Yes. If there's something we're missing, I'm not, I mean, I, I'm open to, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm like, this is an opportunity where I would not say don't at me. I'm like, please at me. Like, tell me what I'm, what I'm not seeing. Is there something yeah. not, you know, it's like change my mind, please, by all means. Um, yes. And that's exactly what I'd like to do. And I don't want to shit on someone's favorite movie, but I'm just For like real. having a very, it's just, it's, I didn't connect with it the way that other people have. So, yeah. Um, Anywho, be that as it may, we do want to talk about the costumes, though, because that's what we are for. So, I mean, um, I had dug up a little bit of um, information on Marcel Verte, um, V-E-R-T-E-S. I'm assuming I took French in high school for three years. So I'm assuming that because there's an S on the end of the name that the T is not silent. So, um <laughs> Uh, so Marcel Verte, apparently he won two, well, apparently he did win two <laughs> Academy Awards. <laughs> um, he won, hello, Sorry. he won, uh, it's okay. <laughs> Get to cracking, son. Um, <laughs> so he won for best art direction for this film and also best costume design because he was the set decorator on the film. So he won. Um, he won for a joint for the best art direction. Um, so he apparently he read in my reading. I found that he is a 20th century painter, printmaker, and illustrator. Um, Marcel Verte moved from his native Hungary to Paris during the First World War. Uh, he was living and working in the famous Latin Quarter. The Ver um, Verte quickly established himself as one of the most important artists in the Paris scene, thus continuing in the footsteps of Henri Boutet, Jean-Louis Forain, Toulouse-Lautrec, and others. Um, so the art of Marcel Verte was um, at its peak during the, vi- um, during the vibrant and somewhat wild decade of the 1920s, concentrating upon scenes of Paris street life, portrayals of women, and depictions of circus and cabaret acts. Um, Verte left a legacy of original litho- um, lithographs and drawings that um, superbly captured the spirit of the 1920s Paris. Um, I also wanted. I also found some of his work as well that he worked as a fashion illustrator and had worked with Scaparelli in the 40s, illustrating advertisements for her as well and other fashion houses and even covers of fashion magazines like Vogue and Harper's Bazaar. So he had a pretty good connection with the fashion industry as a sort of like um, you know gun for hire illustrator. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Um, I know. I mean, his work in the movie is actually really good, I think. Yeah. You know, it's just, I just... I expected more like I, you know, with when you're doing dealing with subject matter, like the Moulin Rouge, which I have had the luxury to go to okay. um, big shout out to my boo, um, Alexander Freeman for getting me half off tickets while she was a can can dancer there. So, you know, just, I've got friends. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's like serious brag there. Um, it was actually really cool to see the, see the Moulin Rouge. I mean, clearly has gone through some serious like renovations and changes mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But being in such a historical place in Paris was actually really cool. And then seeing, you know, them doing the can can and the quadrille and all of that. And it's really, it was really cool. Um, the show is really interesting. Uh, those Paris Parisian shows are actually kind of interesting to watch as a, as an American because yeah. they are very French sensibility and they have a lot of French 
sense of humor and there's like what they find it's it's an interesting dynamic when you're watching those shows but um just kind of watching this movie and seeing like when they had the can can come out and it's like a total of like six women doing the can can Mm -hmm. you're just like you could have doubled that number. Mini can can. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, you got two main dancers. You got the dude with the prosthetic nose and chin. And then you got, you know, the yeah. you got, like, it's almost like he just picked out every single character from the paintings. And it was just like, that's enough. Like, well, you know, fu- it was like the painting showed that. six. That's all you need is six. No, you no, know? It's, it's, like it's, he, inter- it's funny you mentioned that because it's such a sanitized version of like actual Toulouse Lautrec and and the Moulin Rouge stuff, you know? And uh-huh. um, and then I was thinking, like, well, and, and reading about it, it's like, well, but they were still under the Hayes Code. And it's like, again, it's 19-fucking-52, even though when I watch this movie, I'm like, it could, this could have been made in 72, because it's, exactly. it's got a sweaty raunchiness to it. That's the best way to yeah. put it. It's just got this air of, like... Like, and the way everything's a little darker, that's, and like, grittier, that's, like, something that you really didn't see at the very least until the late, way late in the 50s, you know? But even then, like, not really. And, um, but yeah, it's just got that, but it makes sense because, like, Toulouse Truck fucking died of syphilis. And clearly they couldn't talk about that either. But even just like doing his doodles and showing his drawings, like, I I was just thinking, I'm like, wow, I think... To even see like a drawn boob in the 50s was yeah. kind of taboo. And they're showing that like they're showing like like stuff like that. And I just think that's really interesting. Like they're they probably it's like they probably wanted to do so much more. But, you know, yeah. you can only get away with so much still being like uh, really deep in the the Hayes Code at that time. Um, yeah. I mean, look at Singing I- in the Rain. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting to think that they, you know, just the way that it was shot and everything, it felt like he, the the movie is called Moulin Rouge, but it should have been just like, you know, the Toulouse Toulouse Lautrec show. (laughs) It should have just been called Toulouse. And then it probably wouldn't have been that egregious for me, but just the fact Mm -hmm. that it was, you know, supposed to focus on the Moulin Rouge, I was just a little bit like... Those scenes were just like probably not the most yeah cared for scenes. Like I just feel like they could have done a little. Eh. Anyway, I don't want to. Well, start let's face it, Philip. Like, you but heard Moulin just, Rouge. Yeah. They basically dangled showgirls in your face and then didn't deliver. Exactly. And I understand I like, why you're Where's my showgirls? You know, where's my, you know, where's my ladies? Where's my <laughs> yeah. bangles? Where's my bangles? Where's my feathers? I got a few feathers in this movie, but just not enough. You know, that's yeah. All I'm and saying. I think if we're used to like you know you and me we we really love like Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge which is like drinking water from a fire hose I know <laughs> and honestly I know and, people hate so, that movie but I know, you know people do but like, whatever just, just I can't help it it's like it's a pretty 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 movie and that's what I'm here for yeah. you know it's like give me the pretty so and also it's... that's pretty much what they admit through the whole thing like this is a pretty movie we're barely telling a story yes <laughs> love it roll with it yeah you know yes um so it's did anywho but um the other thing that I'd like to talk about is Scaparelli too. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it's interesting because I was always familiar with her as a fashion designer, and I think actually you were even the person that um, that introduced me to her originally oh, when back when yes. we were in college. Um, and so she actually ended up designing wardrobe for several films, uh, starting with the French version of 1933's Topaz. Um, or Topaz, it's T-O-P-A-Z-E, um, and then ended up um, ended 
did with Zsa Zsa Gabor's outfit in this movie, actually. So this was mm-hmm. the last film that she did costumes for. Um, so it was kind of a bummer because Moulin Rouge won um, the Academy Award. Um, and then, but Scaparelli's role in costuming the leading lady uh, went unacknowledged beyond the yeah. her on-screen credit. Um and it's funny because they, and then they're just noting that um, all of her costumes were bit directly based on Toulouse-Lautrec portraits of Jean, mm-hmm. Jane Avril. So that's kind of, I just love that they did that. But I just wish that she was allowed to go full, full Scaparelli on them. Because it's like, why are you going to hire her? She's not allowed to go, you know, ham on them. I know, so. I know. That being said, right. I, I do, now af- having seen the movie a couple times, I'm really glad it did win Best Costumes because the costumes are pretty fucking cool. And yeah. the, like I said, the use of color, the silhouettes are absolutely beautiful. Very, um, I would say fairly accurate for what they were because if you think about something like a Singing in the Rain that came out, we've talked about this over and over even though we haven't done Singing in the Rain because emotionally we are not ready. It's like one of our favorite movies. <laughs> we're not there yet, guys. But, you know, the, the that's such a perfect example of a movie that was made in the 50s about the 20s and even had mm-hmm. people working on the movie who were costumers in, in the, the 20s. 20s. But you can definitely tell the movie feels very costumey. It doesn't... I don't know the the realness. It, they're beautiful. They're glitzy and they're lovely. But when I'm thinking, would I look at that movie next to this movie? I'm glad this movie won best costumes because right. like these are, whoa, these are like Gigi good. I mean, they are yeah. that good. They are. Well, it's wow. interesting because um, the uh, singing the rain wasn't even nominated for best costume. So that's well, I I, I know. I'm just I, I guess mute. I was thinking of like it's a per- um, like a period film. I guess made yes, at that time, yes. like like at that same year. So mm-hmm. like you know like I guess you're you know to consider. I'm not. I don't even know who was nominated for best costumes at that year. But but like um, and I should probably look before I start talking a big game. <laughs> oh, I can tell you right now. So oh, um, for ba- for color against in the color category, it was this film, uh, greatest show on earth, with a song in my heart, Hans Christian Andersen and the Merry Widow. Hmm. Okay. Mm. Yes. Okay. And because this is when they did best color and best black and white, and we were actually yes. I was thinking like maybe we'd do best black and white from this year, but we did best color instead. And I, I don't know. I think it's really. I think they did a great job. And uh, mm-hmm. and and it's interesting too to look at this movie and go, okay, it was made in 1952, about uh, what 1899, 1900, and right. it's crazy so to that... think that was like 50 years ago for yes. them. So 50 years ago for us would be like 1960s. Would be like the hippie era. It's just yes. crazy to think of like if we were to do a movie that was set 50 years ago, it looked like. Like that versus this, you know? Yes. <laughs> but just to know that they're, they weren't that far separated from like just such a completely different era of time. Like just when people were wearing just full on like corsets and mm-hmm. petticoats and layers and like skirts down to their the floor versus mm-hmm. like in the 50s where people were like, I'm wearing a romper today and I'm cool, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, but it also, I also wonder too, and I don't know how much this is the case. Cause like in singing the rain, you kind of saw that, but not really, but I feel because they're so close to, and this was made, this was an English made movie. Um, and they yes. are so close to the era. It just makes me wonder how accurate those silhouettes and everything were, because even the men's wear, everything looks so amazing. 
really, I mean, really the menswear good. in this looked beautiful. Like yeah. the clothing, the oh, actual, the velvet the collars in this and details, really beautiful. Like, really yeah. beautiful. Like it's not just the women and not just like Zsa's looks. The men, the suit, the suits, even what Jose Ferrer wears. He has these really, really great coats and hats and little accessories and glasses and it's just it's beautiful it's really I beautiful i know it's really it, that looks really cute in this movie like the i just loved a lot of the like the day looks that even like um, marie chalet wore and then you know the all of the everything that everyone was wearing was actually really solid looks and there was, and the the extras looked really beautiful too, which was really nice to see as well. Like they, oh for sure, they, they paid attention to what people were wearing, which was you know, really beautiful. So good for them, good for you, Verte, <laughs> good for you. You did it. Um, it's cool because uh, it's probably like he looked at everything kind of holistically, like everything, you know, like like just seeing everything all at once. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just like one person's costume. It's like how are these people going to look in a group? And right. uh, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. Did you want me to talk about the storyline of the sure. show? Okay. So, Moulin Rouge. So, the like as we said before, the film follows the life of Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec, played by Jose Ferrer, um, at his... Th- and his time as a painter in Paris in 1890 while living his best life, drinking up a storm at the Moulin Rouge. Uh, While he is there, he revels in the dancing and drinking while the characters of the Moulin dance and entertain the Bohemians of Paradise. Um, of Paris, not paradise. Um, <laughs> we meet Jane Avril, played by Jaja Gabor. She's the singer and the star of the show. La Gouloule, uh, played by Catherine Kath, the lead dancer of the Can Can, and Zidler, played by Harold Casquet, um, impresario and owner of the Moulin. Um, so these are the main, some of the main people he meets. Um, I actually really love the openings um, when he's actually drawing on the um, when he's drawing on the tablecloth and you oh, see yeah. like his um i was reading on the trivia that that uh, the the guy actually drawing that is an a uh, well-known artist in paris who um put himself through college by forging toulouse lecheck paintings and drawings that's pretty cool <laughs> yes um which Whoa. is actually kind of funny i was wondering um, how they did that like if there was a separate guy like you know obviously i don't yeah. i doubt that this guy like was like i'm gonna learn how to doodle just like toulouse lecheck yeah, although you know, I mean, know. some people commit, but not like that. Yeah. Um, so one night on his way home, Toulouse is approached by a sex worker, Marie, Cha- Marie Chal- Charlet, um, played by Colette Marchand, um, who begs him to pretend that they have been together all evening in order to help her um, avoid arrest from the popo, um, Sergeant Pateau, played by Georges Allens. Uh He agrees, and she is shocked to find out that the cop knows who he is, since Toulouse has somewhat of, is somewhat of a famous painter and a trust fund baby. Um, <laughs> That's so, right. We forgot to talk about that. He's from yes. a rich family. Yeah, he's um, heir to the count, to, um, to being a count. So after <laughs> they, uh, after, wait. So um, after they end up shaking the cops, um, he, she ends up staying the night with him, but jabs at his malformed legs, which makes him angry immediately um and this (laughs) seems to happen several times and then through flashbacks it is revealed that he broke his legs by falling um by falling down some stairs and they didn't heal properly since his parents were cousins that's what you call science 
Um, since his legs didn't heal properly, they didn't grow with the rest of his body. So he ended up having short legs and a normal sized torso and um, arms and head. Uh, flash forward his um, in his childhood, um, his, his main crush, Boo, turns down his marriage proposal and tells him that no woman will ever love him, which is way harsh. And then he announces to his mother, the Countess, played by Claude Nolier, um, and his father, the Count, who is also played by um, Jose Ferrer, um, that he's going to Paris and he's going to become a painter. Uh, so then flashback to the normal times. So the overnight stay begins a romantic relationship between Marie Chalet and uh, Toulouse. Things seem to be going good for a while, um, at first, and he's lavishing, um, lavishing her with gifts and then, um, and flowers and blah, blah, blah. And then one day he sends her out to buy a new dress and she disappears for the entire day and night. Uh, the next day when she returns, um, with the gown, uh, he throws her out, but then he decides to let her back in since he's in love with her. Um, after some time and several more fights, she tells him that he will never find love because of his, um, because of his, legs and uh, this causes him to throw her out for good which um, then ends up causing him to drink day and night into a downward spiral so in order to get him to stop drinking his landlady calls his mommy and she swings by and urges him to seek out Marie <laughs> since she loves since he loves her um, so Toulouse ends up finding Marie in a working class neighborhood in a bar and she's super drunk uh, she confesses that she was only with him to get money for her gigolo boyfriend and that he sickened her um when hearing this he heads home and attempts suicide by gas asphyxiation while waiting to die he's inspired to finish um, a commissioned painting for the moulin rouge and then he opts not to finish himself off so he takes the painting to Zidler, who accepts it and pays him in a month's worth of drinks for it. The painting is then printed as a poster and hung all over Paris. The poster causes a sensation since the dancer's legs are exposed and it is decried as pornography even by Toulouse's father, who is played by Jose Ferrer. Um, so he plays his own father. Just, it's, it's, it's a thing. Um, the years roll on and Toulouse becomes a bigger star in the painting world and eventually is the toast of Paris. Um, Jane Averill ends up taking Toulouse to a dress fitting where he meets a beautiful mannequin, a.k.a. a model, named Miriam Hyam. She's played by Suzanne Flan. Uh, turns out they met briefly before on a bridge where she was getting rid of a lover's key. So M-Dog and T-Bone begin seeing each other more regularly <laughs> while they- while they hang out, Toulouse talks about how he, how love is stupid and marriage is for losers. Um, and Miriam tells Toulouse that her old lover, like later on, um, she tells Toulouse that her old lover has asked to marry her. And um, she's thinking that he doesn't love and thinking that he Toulouse doesn't love her. She has accepted this proposal. So Toulouse is, in fact, in love with her and snidely congratulates her on snagging herself a man. So she uh, ends up sending Toulouse a letter confessing her love for him, um, but that she couldn't wait any longer. So Toulouse get, goes to her apartment only to find that she is left for good. This causes him to spiral into another binge drinking session. Um, 
you know, a good old shame spiral. Uh, <laughs> so he spends all his time wandering the city, drinking and rereading Miriam's letters over and over again. So uh, Pato the Popo is called to help get Toulouse all sorted out. So while at home and in the throes of the de- um, the detox, he ends up falling down the stairs again. Um, and then, he- so he's dying at this point. So he's taken back to his family home which I'm assuming is miles and miles away. Um, <laughs> his father informs Toulouse that he is, that it has been announced that his work will be shown at the Louvre and that he is the old, first living artist to be given this honor. And his father begs for his forgiveness. And while dying, Toulouse sees all of his old friends from the Moulin Rouge dance into the room as ghosts to bid him a fond farewell. <laughs> the end. Fiend. Fiend. I know that would have been a perfect way to end it, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. They just kind of went with the end, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, goodness. So Kathleen, did you have any favorite looks from this movie? I'm sure we already talked about a lot, but let's relish in them. Cause that's what we're here for. <laughs> let's see. I think probably my favorite looks are probably on Zsa. Um, <laughs> I love, I, I really actually love the outfit she has where she, when she sings and then you see her at the very end and she's, in the um it's got like the white bodice with oh, yeah. um the red skirt and it like turn and like the one edge of the hem turns back to reveal the petticoat like kind of asymmetrically yeah. i love that i love that treatment and i want to do that like i would love to do like an edwardian skirt that has that that treatment on it i think it looks so cool and then the other one i kind of love which is really random is where um She's in the club and she's wearing this like red satin, like her red satin dress with the giant weird like Barbie bow on one side. Oh, like, yeah. She's got the I giant like neck one. carnation and the hot pink gloves. Yeah. And she straight up looks like a Barbie. Like she just looks like Oh my like God. Everything. And she is, her waist is cinched all to all get out. Snatched. From that. Like, snatched it too is... good. And she looks like a little yes. doll. And so yes. I love those looks. Those are kind of like. As far as, and they're pretty glam, but in general, I really love, um, yeah, I actually kind of just really love the ladies looks in general and Miriam, is that her name? I'm sorry. Like the, the, the second girlfriend, the second, the second girlfriend. Yeah. I just Miriam. in general, I loved her looks too. Um, and then I think she uh, had some really stellar really, looks. Like really she strong. was like yeah. killing it. Her yeah. game, her, her clothing game was good. Yes. And then like, there was one more outfit. I think Jaja wears was like a green outfit. She's this beautiful, like hat that fits perfectly. It's this green hat that it's almost like a Victorian hat and like fits or kind of like a, I don't know if it's not a cloche, but like fits over her hair and she's got a bun in the back and it's just perfectly sculpted. It's like, you can tell with those hats. It's like, they were like, they came up with like a hair game plan for the hats and like, and she's got these perfect little like sculpted curls in the front and yeah, just so beautiful. Like, just yeah, uh, the hat games are crazy good. Um, yeah, that one was actually really beautiful. I wish there. Well, the bummer, the you know, the bummer summer of it all is, is that there's not a ton of like production photos from the actual like costumes and stuff. So it's hard to find actual images of the costumes. Yeah. Um. There's like very few good photos, but there's like yeah. we we kind of hit all the really good ones. Like I love pretty much everything that Jaja wears is fantastic. I love really beautiful. 
everything she wears. I love her snake gown. Um, I love her. She also wears in the scene where she first sees the snake gown. She's wearing a black kind of yes. all black head to toe. Oh, I look love with, that with the look yellow, too. yellow She's feathers gorgeous. and a Absolutely and a gorgeous. yellow boa, which I'm just like, yes, please yes. give me a boa. I'm um, telling the use of greens and yellows in this movie, which are very tricky colors to do. They just thread they thread them throughout, and it's just beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. You're really, you're really pretty. It's interesting. You know, there's other ones. I'd love everything, like you were saying, Miriam wears, because she has, like, some beautiful lavender looks. And then she mm-hmm. had that one that we were talking about with that, you know, that sort of, like, emerald green with the yellow ribbon detail. I want to try to yes. find an image of that, but it's going to be a tough one. I might have to just do a screenshot of that. But um, Allegedly. Yeah, legend. <laughs> um, but there's some really good ones. Just I, I actually really like the the dress that the the can can dancer La Goulul wears. Um, because mm-hmm. she has this kind of like it's it's really kind of interesting because it's got this strange like kind of puff sleeve and it's red with like Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse polka dots on it, which is yes. clearly taken directly from the from the Toulouse posters and those sort of mm-hmm. things. So it's it's interesting the way that they the way that they mirrored exactly what was in the paintings. Um, I think that they hamstring themselves a little with that, not to like you know, they could have went a little bit, you know. They're just like, you know, they could have branched out. Yeah, they could have branched out. But I think that overall, I think they looked really good. Yeah. Um, I actually really liked what um, Marie Charlet wore, too. She had like she actually ended up coming back after spending the night out. She ended up coming back with this really kind of cool, very graphic looking flat colored dress with and yes. then she had a um curly ostrich boa which i'm just like curly ostrich is not cheap so oh yeah i mean she got a pretty good deal on that dress so yeah i wonder where she got it from and ended up and that gorgeous yellow dress when he takes her out to dinner you don't see it much but yes. she's got that like oh, net that cape too. over it but you don't even really see until she's like leaving toward the end the, the hem detail it's all yes. just like cut out and it's Gorgeous, and also that that lady could wear a canary yellow. She looks lovely in that color. She um, looks really good. Yeah, I, I just wish she wasn't so angry in that scene. But no, she looks no, so but pretty in yeah, that. she was so like, pretty. So good. Oh, so oh. angry and pretty. So angry. <laughs> oh, so angry. <laughs> what are you gonna do? I mean, you know, when you've been living on them hard streets, you're gonna be angry. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. So th- I mean this one there's a lot to look at in this movie. A and lot. like if you can if you can stomach some questionable acting, there's um you know I, uh, I'm sure that the acting was fun. People love the acting. So it's just not me. But if you I, can. Yeah. I would say go, like watch this. that. Like. Yeah. Yes. Watch this was like, you know, your favorite drink and some snacks and maybe like a sketchbook and like mm-hmm. a, maybe a little companion book yeah. of like the Bella Polk era because it's definitely very inspiring if you love like um, if you love drawing and you love like those looks and just sort of like, mm-hmm. the, you know, you want to get inspired for that sort of like turn of the century France and um, the, yeah, the colors, the silhouettes and actually the hair. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of the hairstyles that they did and uh, were, were pretty on point with mm-hmm. it. They didn't look like 1950s meets 1900, um, even on the leads and stuff. Like they really did these really great, almost like Gibson girl updos. And you can literally see like the big hairpins, like keeping the big curls up like way on top of their head. And some of those that even look, 
Um, and I know they're trying to kind of imitate the paintings, but I mean, that was really kind of a look back then, like in the, in the 1890s, where they almost like today's top knot. They used to do like a sort yeah, of a, a Victorian that one was version really of the top cool, knot. Actually. And that was like, that's a real look from that time. It may yeah. seem silly, but it's true. And I think they captured that really well. And even though it may not be accurate, I loved, I, I thought the makeup was really beautiful on some of the actresses. They did a beautiful, and even back then, I mean, they maybe had, they weren't really working with a huge palette of um, like eyeshadows and colors and stuff, but I know mm -hmm. there were a couple of shots where you can definitely tell they're using like two to three colors of eyeshadow and like really doing like some really beautiful like makeup and blush and contouring and stuff where I thought that, and even Jaja Gabor, like, you know, whoever did all, like all the makeup and the hairdressing in here was just, it's a beautiful marriage of like costume yeah. and makeup and hair. And that goes for the guys too, the facial hair and with the little glasses and the accessories, like they really, really tried to, you know, and, and like the, the way the guy's hair was dressed and everything. Cause at that time guys had their hair part in the middle, part on the side and would wear it almost kind of long a little bit like yeah. on top. And I feel like they really captured that well. And even like, if you look at pictures of Toulouse-Lautrec, they really did try to give Jose Ferrer like similar facial hair and I like he has these weird little caterpillar eyebrows, but like they, yes. they really tried to like, but they were trying to capture the look of this guy. So it's like they really tried. And 1952, you guys, like this was made I mean, in 1952, it's... and it feels fresher than that. I guess I would say that, you know, it's very it's impressive that they that they got it to look as real as it did i just the, yes. that's the one thing that i gotta that i have to commend them on is is yes they did make it look like a we were really there which i think was yes. really not, interesting to see that mm -hmm. it was yes it was gritty yes it was kind of grimy um it just you know it's it's not the movie I was expecting, but it's the movie I deserve. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. And think of it this way, Philip. If, if, you know, uh, shout out to like you said, curly curly ostrich feathers mm -hmm. abound in this, and yes. just boas in general, which were kind of a hot accessory, like circa 1900 France. Like, believe it or not, like that was a thing, and and so it, it it's a beautiful, like again, probably probably pretty illegal today to even try, but they had some beautiful, beautiful feathers in this movie. Oh yes. Well. The feathers in this movie are actually really pretty. So definitely keep your eye on that, on those yeah. too. Like there's a lot to see. So yeah, it's, a, and it's, it's on, there's a lot to watch at. Too. Yes. And, and it, it's it, like, like you said, it's available on YouTube. It's also available on Amazon prime, which is where we found it. It's just, I, maybe it's because it's like an Oscar winning movie. A lot of those movies, um, uh, just right now, this is a great time to be watching uh, things on uh, just for streaming because there's a lot of great stuff that's been released or is sort of like available right now. And this mm -hmm. was one of them. So, yeah. 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 So it's a it's a recommend. Go ahead and check it out. You for know. sure. Like, don't like, you know, don't cancel plans to watch it. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're bored, go ahead. Yeah, it's <laughs> free, you know, and, and it's, exactly. uh, yeah, it's interesting. And it may, um, if you're somebody who loves that era or even like the original Moulin Rouge, I think it's a great worth a watch because Baz Luhrmann yeah. definitely had to be inspired by this. There's definitely totally. a lot of hints and nuances that feel like that movie. Um, yeah, so it was good. It was, yes. it was interesting. I felt like we learned a lot, too, because we were like, yeah, we're going to watch a French movie. Best costume. Woo! And then we were like, ooh, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it's all good. It's I mean, it's just you know what it's you know what it is. It's that I was wanting this movie to be another different movie. That's right. You I wanted was. it to be so, Baz Luhrmann's movie. <laughs> well, I do, I mean, there's at another the very one least too, double the showgirls. <laughs> There's a moon. Yeah, I'm like, give me more Clark Kent. So apparently, there's a uh, there is a Moulin Rouge from 1934, and there's another one from the 20s. So, the, not to say that there's um, you know, we've we've got several Moulin Rouges to choose from. So Are you saying we could we'll, do a Moulin Rouge triple feature? Because I'm totally. not mad at that. I'm into that. Let's do it. <laughs> next episode, um, Moulin Rouge. <laughs> the next three episodes, Moulin Rouge. Three. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. So we're gonna stay busy with the Moulin Rouges. Yes. Um, is there anything else we need to discuss before we slip slide into, um, uh, you know, social media plugs? Um, oh, just that Miguel, uh, sorry, um, Jose Ferrer, um, he, he had a son, uh, his name was Miguel Ferrer. And I think oh. he recently passed away, but he was, he was a character actor for many years and he was in many mm. movies where he always played the bad guy. And huh. as we know, like sometimes it's actually like, it, it's actually, you know, you got to be pretty talented to always be able to play the asshole, <laughs> but he was in like That's Robocop true. and like a lot of iconic movies where you're like, Oh, it's that guy. And so, yeah, his son oh. went on to have a, a fairly uh, successful career as a character actor, but then I think he, he recently passed away as well. So oh. yeah. And then my mom mentioned that I guess, uh, Jose Ferrer, Ferrer was with, uh, Rosemary Clooney and he was a huge asshole to her so again huh. very Kenneth Branagh it, it, I'm like oh, just like Kenneth Branagh when he was with the with the what's her face what's her face no no yeah uh, when he oh, left right, when he, the other way right when he left Emma Thompson for what's her face uh, Helen Carver and then she <laughs> left him for what's his face uh, Tim yeah. Burton <laughs> and the circle of life continues circle of life <laughs> oh goodness um, oh you're scumbaggery <laughs> with and on that thank you so much yeah. for listening everybody um it's you can always hit us up on social media you can hit us up on facebook uh, you can hit us up on instagram old hollywood realness twitter at ohr podcast you can join our facebook group where we're having a lot of discussion of the films over there um it's ohr podcast darlings d-a-h-l-i-n-g-s um it's been having some you know some new faces over there it's been awesome um, you can rate, review, and subscribe over on iTunes. Please rate us five stars and leave a little review. It'd be fun to hear from you. Yeah. We'll read it on the podcast. Um, and then thanks for Mr. Hal Lublin for his vocal talents at the, uh, the opening of the podcast, keeping us fresh and profesh, as I always say. Um, and other than that, I just want to, you know, thank everybody for all they do. This is an honor and um, I couldn't do it without you. All right, t- Jimmy, go to bed. Mommy loves you. <laughs> that was my, I'm practicing my Oscar speech. <laughs> yeah, but that's my cat. Are you t- I was saying, saying goodnight to Jimmy. I was confused. <laughs> well, Jimmy's at home watching, so <laughs> oh, he is, he's, he's like, got to go to bed. <laughs> he's napping on the couch right now as we speak. <laughs> okay. I'll see. He already fell asleep before my big moment. Oh, anyway. oh wait, wait. We forgot. Uh, also, um, this episode is dedicated to the late great Carl Lagerfeld, R.I.P. Oh, yeah, yes. we love you very much. Mm, a man people, of our profession buddy. and our people. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Oh. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> and I didn't realize that. he was eighty-five years old. I That's did not I either. I thought he was a cool seventy. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, okay. I, I, there's a, some beautifully wonderful, extensive articles written about him in Women's Wear Daily, and. Uh, to, to call him a fashion designer would be just like a one like tooth in the comb <laughs> you yes. know he was so many things and 
but most importantly, he never took himself too seriously, and he loved he loved his work. He loved what he did, and I feel like we could we could all take a tip from him sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was a he was a he was a good egg, and uh, and, a ca- and a cat man too. <laughs> and a cat man. I was, you know, I had plans for Jimmy and Chupette to meet. Uh, whatever, it's fine. It's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> You won't be getting any of that Carl F- Lagerfeld money. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> I'm I kidding. Like, I care. Any, I don't think any of us are going to inherit Carl Lagerfeld I know. Um, but like okay. we mentioned, he's sort of like, he's like the, the grandfather we never had, we never met. You know, like he's, yes. he's definitely our people and we're going to miss him very much. And uh, quite the, quite the awesome dude. Putting it yeah. mildly. <laughs> So this well. weird episode goes to you, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't think of a better eulogy. Yes. <laughs> oh, he'd love it. He loves a good laugh. It's fine. Yes. Well, on that, I want to thank everybody for listening to OHR. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Beep boop, test, test, beep boop, boop boop, beep boop. <laughs>